residential lighting specialist to our residential Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. And in this episode, I'm joined by Michael Heiss, a Los Angeles-based residential tech writer, former audio and video product and marketing executive, and this year's Cedia Lifetime Achievement Award winner. Mike, it's great to finally have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you very much. And, and you haven't mentioned that I actually am a ResTech uh, contributor. We were going to get the very to that. first issue. Absolutely. Right out of the gate. You're my guest editor and we did, did, did that for one issue, but you're a c contributing editor. You're the only one with that uh, title. It gets you in the door, hopefully with a few uh, press events here and there. And uh, yep. you've done some great writing for us for the first couple of years of the magazine. And we worked together with residential systems back during that part of my career as well. So, yeah, um, you know, and hope to continue it, uh, Going forward, I've got the two or three pieces uh, coming up, as, as you know, and you'll tell the listeners, and uh, a really interesting one coming up uh, very shortly on digital health. So, um, yeah, well, you know, the industry has changed, and uh, what we as uh, uh, the media that serves that industry has to do is, is changing as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I'm, I've got a lot of questions I want to ask you about uh, technical trends and product observations. I want to get to that a little bit later in our interview. But uh, I, before we go into that, I wanted to jump into talking about your your recent honor, becoming a, a Lifetime Achievement Award winner from Cedia to add to your Volunteer of the Year Award, your Cedia Fellow, which I'm a fellow fellow with you. You're jolly good. That's right. We know the secret handshake. And yep. uh, <laughs> and I wanted to know, um, you can't answer this because I know how you're going to answer it. You cannot answer it with the word old. But how does it make you feel to be recognized for your industry work? Oh, I'm honored. No, I seriously, I mean, I, I have uh, been a part of Cedia since the very, very first uh, meeting. If anybody here is, and I will use old, let's say, Anybody who's been around long enough to remember the very first uh, CDF formation meeting was in a steamy, what they used to call D rooms, those gray padded demo rooms that you see at, uh, at trade shows. And we held the meeting in one of those down in the basement of McCormick Place. And it was only about uh, 90 degrees and 187% humidity. <laughs> And, and how everybody much, was schwitzing like crazy. And how it much were the, the Chicago unions? Yeah. yeah. How much were the Chicago unions charging you for your time in that room? Uh, oh, oh, oh. That there's a whole nother podcast that we can <laughs> talk about the right. Chicago unions from a number of points in my career. But um, you know, the I've been involved uh, with Cedia since then, and it, it's been an interesting uh, ride to be sure to go from you know something was the people who did home theater or quite frankly, the guys who did home theater sure. because there were very few, if any women involved in, in the industry in, in that time. And it's amazing to see a bunch of guys doing home theater and pulling wires to all the things that uh, the CD of member firms do today. It's, it's pretty amazing to look back at that. And I'm, I'm just, uh, honored to be recognized as having been a small part of that. Well, that's great. And I mean, you, you, you served two terms on the CDA board and you, you've been a part of the tech council. 
Um, what, what do you feel that you've gained from your volunteer service and what were you able to, do you feel that you're able to contribute to the industry with being a part of the tech council, being part of the board? Well, what I've gained is a lot of airline miles. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> sure. um, and I got to uh, go to some interesting places at some interesting times. Uh, but the people was the most important part of it. And getting to meet uh, people across the country and around the world and, <clears throat> excuse me, learn about the industry uh, from their point of view and really to have the opportunity uh, to inform people about things that, you know, I think may have been obvious to me from my perspective, but not so much to where the industry is and needs to go. In terms of the tech council, um, one of the things that uh, when it was put together that was uh, always in the forefront for me was what I used to call the do line. If there are any uh, Cold War historians listening, the do line, the do stands for distance early warning, was a series of radar installations across Alaska and northern Canada that were supposed to detect incoming Russian bombers. You know, how does that date you? Right. But the object was to let people know that something was going to happen, hopefully before it happened. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that has not changed with the tech council in our industry and why I love to continue to be involved in it is to help people be prepared mm -hmm. to know what's coming and learn about it so that you're not caught flat footed by it. And one I remember uh, one of the international events I went to was the second CEDIA UK when they were separate organizations expo in Selson Hall which is south of London in Croydon. And it's this magnificent old kind of castle-like building. Being in the basement of Selton Hall, teaching the attendees about DVD and why it's different from VCR <laughs> and about region codes and things that now, you know, sound sort of quaint, but that was a major technology shift. And, and I, you know, I take pride in having been part of helping the, community to know what was coming and how to deal with it. And, and that's the part I really liked the most about being involved with it. Well, and, and you, you've been such a, a hot ticket for your presentations over the years from your, I think, just your energy that you bring to those. And I have uh, a shtick. Yeah, exactly. You, 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 it, it's, it's a bit of a, a shecky, uh, um, you know, Mikey yeah. And, uh, and, and, but you, but you're, uh, you run through things so rapid fire and for the guys who are technical, technically, uh, minded, I think they're, they're catching everything as you go. And it's just really entertaining for me. I'm like trying to take notes. It's <laughs> going through jargon and terminology that I have to look up later sometimes, but, um, how do you, how did you get to get like your focus areas? Were you mostly video from the beginning, uh, video and a little bit of audio? Because uh, Well, it, it's kind of that goes to uh, how I got into this in the first place. I was in high school, what you would call the AV squad. I, now it's the nerd herd. I don't know <laughs> if they even do that anymore. Right. But I did that because it got me out of going to homeroom. I didn't have to wait in line. And lighting control in those days, if anybody remembers lighting keys, they were these little um, 
fork-like things that in yep. institutional settings you put in and you could turn the lights on and off. And I had one of those. I had a key to every room in Lawrence High School. And, and it was cool. So that got me into distributed sound. Um, uh, okay, educational media was 16 millimeter projectors. Right. Um, but I was also involved in stagecraft. Mm. And I was the stage manager for... Uh, all of the um, uh, theatrical productions, the junior and my junior and senior year in, in high school. And I had to choose between stage and yes, I perform, but I'm not a performer. Um, and the sort of technical side of it. And, and I, I chose the technical side of it, um, went to uh, Ithaca College in upstate New York as a TV radio major that even now sounds kind of quaint right. and spent four years playing television. And then I went to grad school and I have the, I not only have the uh, one degree that won't get me anywhere. I have two degrees that won't get me anywhere. And I got to play television and, but, and also teach as a graduate assistant. And that just sort of got me on the way. I mean, my goal was to be the director of the NBC nightly news. Wow. Never okay. got there. Yeah. Well, but, so for, for, back, backing direction. up, where were you going? To, where, where'd you grow up and where were you in high school? Then? I grew up on Long, Long Island. Oh, right. Okay. And if you ever land at JFK, when you're on the final approach to Kennedy uh, Airport, you fly over this building, which is Lawrence High School. And it was apparently uh, really blasted out in Hurricane Sandy. Hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I grew up on Long Island and lived in the city and Almost 40 years ago when I got married, uh, we moved out to uh, L.A. to do video cassettes. Um, yeah. So take us through just, that part of your career. So you, I know you you landed in at Harmon at one at, at some point along the way, but uh, I, I don't know a lot about your your career path until you got into the CDA business. Right. Well, so, it, it's sort of interesting because I, I really did. You know, my my lifetime goal at one point was to direct the nightly news. I mean, it was like a really cool thing to aspire to. And in college and grad school, I was a, a fairly decent uh, uh, TV director, but, you know, I just didn't go in in that particular direction. But uh, when I got out of grad school, one of the uh, fellows in our uh, cohort uh, was getting married to a very nice lady who is Brazilian. And he said, you know, Mike, I had this part-time job. I got to go down to Brazil for three months. Uh, we're going to get married. Uh, not he and I, he and his wife. <laughs> and, um, you know, you want to, uh, since you don't have a job uh, after graduation, you want to take over for me. And that was uh, probably not a good mo good move on his part because I stayed. And when he came back, he had to get another job. Huh. But the company that I worked for, and this is where the trend to Cedia started, was I worked for the first company to do pay-per-view in-room hotel movies. Hmm. And now we have streaming and I just bought and I wrote about it, uh, you know, last week in, in ResTech about the new uh, uh, Google Chromecast and, and all of those things. Pay-per-view in those days was a home run to each room in a hotel and a little AB switch and a two by 3,248 routing switcher. And, but I got involved in the installation, didn't touch it. The unions didn't like that. 
but um, supervised the installations, helped plan them out, and uh, supervised all the film-to-tape transfers. And that's how I got back into video production. And in fact, the uh, production house where we did our uh, film-to-tape transfers, one of the two of them, offered me a job to run their home video business. Well, there wasn't a home video. If I'm so smart, you know, why am I not on an island in the Bahamas or something? Right. But um, we went, I went from being the first in-room pay-per-view movie service, distributing content and uh, creating content in one way to the nation's first true coast-to-coast video cassette rental system because you couldn't sell movies at that time. They only let you rent them. So um, I hooked up with this production company and we manufactured the cassettes, beta only at first and then VHS and acquired titles and created a home video rental service, uh, you know, which was very cool. And when all this pandemic stuff is over, we can all meet up somewhere and I can tell you the stories I can't tell in public about some of the uh, strange things that uh, I, I, I was just going to there. offer that you, you the porn industry must have a lot to Odie <laughs> success to well, you at, at one point and I used to say this um, in in some of my lectures uh, back in the day that actually the porn industry for a variety of reasons was a technology innovator um, they got into video cassettes before video cassettes were really a big business. They got into DVDs before DVDs were popular. They got into streaming before streaming was popular. And I guess one, uh, the names will be changed to protect the innocent and I'm the guilty one. Um, when I was working at Harmon and we were doing our first DVD player, which was one of the products that I was uh, responsible for, one of the features was multi-angle view. Oh, yes. Uh -huh. If you remember that, which sort of fell out of favor for a variety of reasons, although it's coming back in a different incarnation in streaming. And there were no commercial uh, discs that had multi-angle view, except for, let's just say, adult entertainment. Right, right. And where I live is in the San Fernando Valley in California, mm -hmm. way close to the world capital of adult <laughs> entertainment. Yep. So... I visited one of those companies and they were actually doing some fairly sophisticated for the time a DVD offering and they gave me a handful of discs and you know thanks I want to use them for this purpose yeah, yeah sure you know knock stuff out and I took some of them into the engineers and the uh, QA people and I said look you don't know where these came from you don't know who gave them to you and if let's just say Anyone from Harmon Management is within two hallways of your lab. You take these things and put them in the bottom desk drawer. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but that's how he tested the, you know, so the the porn industry and and you know, there's a VR. You know, it's part of life. Um, and but yeah. it's it's interesting to um, see the impact that uh, adult entertainment has had on the um, home entertainment. Yeah, I mean, I I saw it first, not only in the movie Boogie Nights did I see it, but I also saw it firsthand in the uh, office in New York when I was with Residential Systems. We had a magazine that was glamorous. It was such a glamorously titled magazine, Replication News, which was all about... <laughs> 
the creation of DVDs, Blu-rays, that type of thing. And he would get a lot of, the editor would get a lot of uh, samples in of packaging and whatever it would be. And of course, porn was a big part of it. And uh, I may or may not have, have seen some of the angled views that you're talking about. I, I can't, my, my mom <laughs> might listen to this podcast, so I can't really talk about um, so, so, uh, I did want to continue our conversation about your, your path into the Cedia, uh, business a little bit more, but I need to take a quick break for a, uh, word from our sponsor. This episode of residential tech talks is brought to you by ring home security systems and smart home automation. Get protection at every corner with their intelligent security cameras, alarm systems, and video doorbells. Receive notifications when motion is detected or check on your home anytime with Live View in the Ring app. Help keep your neighborhood safer with the Neighbors app to share information and discuss safety concerns in this hyper-local social networking platform. Ring's mission is simple. Make neighborhoods safer. Discover all the smart home security products by Ring. Go to ring.com. Welcome back. I'm talking to 2020 Cedia Lifetime Achievement Award winner and Residential Tech Today contributing editor, Michael Heiss. Michael, I, I had mentioned, you know, we were kind of doing a walk through your career. Um, you, you obviously were mentioning Harmon, your work there and uh, developing products. And I would, I would just say that's probably a pr pretty good step into the Cedia channel. Is that how you started working with Cedia or was, was there a different path that I'm not? Well, no, everything we've sort of been talking about led to that because as I went from, you know, one spot to another, in a strange way, they all related to the elements of what a what we now call a residential technology specialist does: distributed content, distributed data, creating the data, uh, and everything I did. With with one exception that I do have to mention, is a college friend of mine, uh, now deceased, unfortunately. Uh, offered me a job at one point along the way at NBC. Mm. And since one of my goals was to work for a either direct the nightly news or become a network vice president, I took a job at NBC in the promotion department where there still was an intersection between technology, um, albeit primitive in, in light of what uh, they do today and, and then, but I helped create uh, promos and mm. did all sorts of uh, sort of crazy things as I look back at it. And I did that for three years and it was it was really cool and got to play, albeit again, not touch. I, you know, I'm the only person in my family, uh, on not counting my wife's side of the family, who was not a member of the un of a union. Mm. Uh, so I got to work with, but you better damn well not touch anything um, uh, sort of things. And good old two-inch quad machines and pneumatics and things like that. Because the industry at that time uh, was just getting into satellite distribution. So the kinds of things that we did at that time were a precursor, albeit at a network television level, to, um, excuse me, to uh, uh, where we are today with uh, home theater and uh, Internet of Things. And just there was one step in between there and when I, I did work at Harmon, um, a friend of mine who I hired uh, to replace me at the pay TV company later uh, worked for a part of what was then uh, Bell and Howe, which was the world's largest video cassette duplicator. 
Hmm. Boy, what an anachronism that sounds like now. Yeah. Uh, but he said, Mike, you want to, uh, you know, be my uh, guy out on the West Coast, work with the studios and and help them create at the time to be sure physical distribution. Hmm. But that's where I did start to get involved in the early days of home theater uh, the trade of the association at that time, the VSDA, the Video Software Dealers Association, would have their uh, convention every summer. And, oh, to spend three, day, three days in Las Vegas in mid-August. Boy, uh. did I look forward to that. Um, but one year we had a home theater pavilion to show that you could have, catch me on this, more than two speakers. And their uh, slogan was, play what you want, when you want. You had to have a cassette machine and a cassette, but to show the dealers what home theater was and why it was something that would appeal to consumers. And that's really where I got my first start into uh, home theater. And um, from there, I did move to Harmon and I was recruited up to run their video projection business. There are certain people still involved with Cedia that sort of give me the hairy eyeball for some of the projectors that we made, but it was cool. A 3-2 digitally controlled projector in the later 80s and early 90s was pretty, you know, technologically advanced. Um, when Harmon bought Fosgate Audionics and that fell uh, under my jurisdiction, we did the first all complete made in America THX system, wow. all analog. Yeah. Uh, not even Dolby Digital. It hadn't been perfected yet. It was all matrix uh, surround with some uh, enhancements developed uh, by Jim Fosgate, who, who is an interesting fellow to be sure. And that led me, you know, down a lot of different paths in, in management and product direction for products that led to the parallel path of what does the consumer need what does the dealer, installer, designer need to suggest and sell and install and maintain an update for a home theater? And we did a lot of interesting things uh, with that uh, in the Harmon Carden world at those days. You know, times have changed. Their business has changed. Mm -hmm. um, but at the time, it was, it was a cool place to be. And we did some pretty cool stuff. And that's where I got involved uh, with CD at that point, uh, representing uh, Harmon. And then after I left Harmon, uh, you know, just representing my own interests as a consultant and journalist. Yeah. And, it, and you, you basically never stopped going to conventions and trade shows. It's uh, different technical meetings, it seems like, from your writing, at least. Uh, so uh, some of those I'm early a show events. dog. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you. So what what brings you to that room that you're describing uh, at the McCormick Center um, for the formation of Cedia? How how are you that involved where you're in that decide decision making kind of body of people there? Well, we were there um, in our little uh, demo room uh, with our Harmon video projectors. I don't remember uh, that was before Fosgate, so I, I don't even remember what the uh, audio was. It was probably an HK receiver. Uh, or maybe, you know, some step up stuff that we were able to get from Lexicon uh, at the time. And um, was this you know, a CES, some, summer CES event? Summer CES in McCormick Place. Yes, right, when right. summer CES was the big one. 
Yes. And uh, Las Vegas in January was just sort of a closeout mm. show or a car audio show because they wanted their show uh, in January uh, to prepare for the spring season for car audio, where the summer CES at that time was where they did all the technological and product introductions going into selling season, which made sense at the time, you know, at the end, uh, the CTA people just sort of, you know, changed it. And I, I think uh, clearly for the better, but, you know, just from uh, being in the business, I knew folks yeah. like uh, Tom Dougherty and, and Chris Stevens and, um, you know, it, it was it, it's not fair to them to say it's like Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland in a movie saying, hey, kids, let's put on a show. <laughs> but uh, Chris owned Audio Access, later bought by Harmon. And I was involved uh, both with him and in that with him there. Okay. And Tom uh, was a major early player in the um, uh, home theater uh, and uh, custom installation world. And they realized, and, and the other people uh, in the industry at that time realized that while CTA or CEA at the time was great for manufacturers and big dealers, the people that later became known as the CEDIA dealer, they couldn't access the uh, product lines that they wanted and there was no training and education. And, you know, they basically said, let's put on a show, you know, yeah. let's fit our own trade association to further the needs of this constituency. And we, they, we all together put it together. And to some extent, uh, the rest is history. Yeah. And, and so um, skipping ahead, we, when we've worked together, You've always been my go-to for covering the video category, especially at CES, trying to distill down all of that development that that happens annually there. Um, but then you've been you've covered gaming technologies at E3, and um, even going into AES and talking the pro audio and all that yep. side of it. Um, so it's it's evolved, like you said, to where your coverage even includes digital health and the streaming devices and and uh, and personal assistance and that type of thing. The, the most current story, as you said, is the digital health and medicine um, category. And with COVID-19, obviously, that's that's a very important topic right now. What have you learned in that category as you look at ways to help improve your lifestyle as you get older and maybe caring for members of your family who are, who are older as well? Uh, well, no, my mother's 93 and, um, you know, I am her personal technology assistant. <laughs> I won't give her the link to this because, uh, you know, I'll get in trouble and I'll get in trouble with my wife for wearing a, a T-shirt. Uh, <laughs> sure. But um, it's necessary that you use this stuff to help enforce your own health as well as others. I mean, it's no secret. I've been to every Cedia uh, Expo except for one when I was recovering from a a stroke after some right. heart surgery. So I, I get that. I went to everyone with an asterisk mm -hmm. uh, kind of thing, but yeah, you know, the doctor said, monitor your, your blood pressure. So, I mean, I previously have, have bought some uh, devices, uh, which are fairly common and reasonably inexpensive to do that. But now there's one that, you know, the uh, details of which will be uh, discussed in a forthcoming article in uh, residential technology. Um, about uh, 
being able to do, albeit, you know, not like I'm going to the cardiologist on Thursday and he's going to wire me up till hell won't have it, but something that people can do at home to at least have the do line, an early warning with an app so you don't have to write it down, mom. Of mm-hmm. course, I'd have to teach her how to use the iPad. But, um, you know, those kinds of things are really helpful in making it easier for people to take care of themselves and others. Um, uh, pulse oximeters, you know, with with COVID, what's your blood oxygen level? Right. Uh, that's something that I uh, the Apple Watch does, but you can buy a pulse oximeter, the little thing that's like a clothespin that they clip on your, your hand, you know, for 30 bucks. And you're not going to be a doctor, but then you go to the next step of telehealth and telemedicine where you want to communicate with a medical professional something about uh, your condition. And if it's not of a physical nature where you need to go to the, I, when I go to the cardiologist, he's going to do a 12 lead EKG. You can't do that at home. Sure. I got a flu shot. You can't do that at home, but I take my blood pressure and, and that's about it. But that's all <laughs> that I do because I'm lazy, but you know, but those kinds of things are, are important now highlighted by the pandemic, but you know, hopefully what people are doing now will remain so that we all live better, happier lives. And then we can do all this cool entertainment stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's evolved obviously into healthier environments as well. We don't really have you write about that as much, but that's something that comes up in our coverage where we're talking about, you know, making the led light uh, mimic the outdoor light, uh, better ventilation systems. Um, obviously the, um, you know, heating and cooling and all that, but, but, uh, just, just, I think we're all spending so much time at home because we have to be right now, um, that everybody wants that environment to be as, as healthy as possible. Um, so, so for sure, that's long and prosper. That's right. But, um, you know, the, the, the apps category that are the, um, the streaming device category is something that I've always looked at you for coverage. And, um, I was just wondering, do you have a, a favorite right now among the the fire tvs the apple tvs roku's that sort of thing that you well you know it's sort of funny because of the nature obviously uh, of what i do i sort of have or have to have all of them yeah. and as is the case with many types of situations i mean it's not like do i get this big expensive system for speakers and and processor and amplifiers or AVR or another one? Or do I go into this ecosystem or that ecosystem? That's a real financial decision. But, or do you do an Xbox or a PlayStation 5? And some people will do one, some people will do the other, some people will do, do both. Given the intersection of the content and the devices, I would say that people sort of need to have at least two right now. And they're not that expensive where if you really want uh, HBO Max, a Roku or um, a Fire TV won't do it. Not because they can't do it, but because there's a big, you know, clearly related to some business issues uh, thing going on between those companies and uh, AT&T, which owns uh, HBO and, and that whole uh, Time Warner uh, empire. So 
if you like a Roku or even have a Roku TV, uh, you know, sitting about uh, three uh, feet uh, to the right of where I'm sitting. And if you're into a Roku or Fire TV, but you want HBO Max, you've got to get an Apple TV or a Chromecast or an Android uh, TV. My favorite there is the NVIDIA Shield, a little expensive, hmm. but it's really cool for the upscaling. The new Chromecast uh, that was announced two weeks ago that I just wrote about is is really kind of cool. It has a remote control, finally, mm-hmm. for, for crying out loud. <laughs> or if you're an Apple head, you know, that. So it, it's a personal choice. And what I, you know, hope the readers uh, find in my writing is I really try not to say this is the one that I have. Because if you say, Mike, what do you have? You can spend a lot of money because I have all of them. And a yeah. lot of them I get from the manufacturers. So that doesn't, you know, thank them. But that doesn't count. Right. So uh, you, most people need, would prefer one or two. But then you have to take a step back and say, well, but how many HDMI inputs are on my TV or my AVR or my sound bar? And how do all of these devices, which you need for different purposes, intersect either right. as a, dealer designer installer or as a consumer enthusiast or as my mother i mean (laughs) you know it's only it's only a quarter to 11 and she hasn't called me yet to say i can't watch something i want but that's why uh i got her a tivo for her birthday because the cable box that she had was indecipherable to me for crying out okay god bless her she's 93 but that's you know not her thing. Sure. So um, the TiVo was the right device for her. You know, hint to installers. Within reason, anything you buy, you, you select for a client, have one. Yeah. Because when my mother calls and says, I want to watch that thing on Netflix that all my friends were telling me about, but I can't. I say, okay, mom, hang on. I pick up. Oops. I pick up my TiVo remote, look at my TV and say, press this button, that button, the other button. And it's cool. Yeah. And and she can do it. And, you know, that's something that I think people, uh, installer, designer, dealer people sort of forget that as an important aftercare part. A TiVo was good for my mother. Yeah. And Apple TV, because of the remote, I mean, my fingers don't work. I broke oh, my I know. wrist. It's like a bar of soap. That remote wouldn't work for her. Yeah. A Roku, she can deal with that. Yeah. So it, what's best for one is not best for all. So do you ever get to the point where you just have so many devices and th- things that you're trying out that you just don't even want to deal with anything for a while? Like I, I turn down opportunities to review products sometimes just because I know it's going to be a hassle to pull something out, put something in. It's just like too many too many changes to my, I just want to have like a relaxing evening sometime and have everything work and not have to like fiddle with what it is that's not connected to something. Well, there, there are two parts to that. One is I may have won the one, I may have received the lifetime achievement award, but any room in my house, my house, including our den and my office will not win the best dressed rack award. Let's right. put it that way. <laughs> Cause I'm all a, cause I'm lazy B, because I don't have the manual dexterity I used to, and C, because I'm always changing things. And it doesn't doesn't bother me 
it drives my wife crazy. <laughs> for sure. But we've been married almost four. We'll be married 39 years. Uh, you know, ooh, Thursday. Ooh, okay. Man, I better. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. Just, uh, you know, Alexa, remind me that uh, <laughs> Thursday is our anniversary. Yeah. Um, what do you call it? But, you know, it drives her nuts, but she's used to it. Um, you know, the test and the woman who was, uh, you know, our, our housekeeper when our son was young and uh, babysat for us when we, you know, couldn't stand it and, you know, had to go out and, right. and have a little date night, especially that was during my Harmon period where we were switching stuff out mm. all the time. And we I had what I still refer to as the Elsie test. Mm. And if I changed the remote because I was you know, working on a new processor, AVR or whatever, and I changed the way things work, I would would never, and, and not to punk her, but because she's a smart lady, um, I, I, I didn't tell her what I did. I just leave the remotes on the coffee table. And if I'd come back, we'd come back after going out to the movies and dinner and whatever. And if she was, if Elsie was sitting in the den watching her novellas, you know, and I can't laugh at that because now, thanks to uh, digital television, I watch Japanese and Korean uh, dramas sometimes. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but if Elsie was sitting in the den watching the novellas, that meant she was able, that the interface and the remote was easy because someone who's not technical was able to figure it out. Sure. If she was sitting at the kitchen table watching the under-counter under TV, smaller and didn't sound as good, but it was easier to operate, then I knew that that product that I was you know, working on failed the test sure. because somebody who's otherwise intelligent just couldn't deal with it. So your, your, your point is well taken. And that's why um, my wife, the architect just sort of gave up and got a nice wooden box for all the remotes. Uh -huh. So uh, one of the ways that we've tried to simplify is through the, through voice control and, and personal assistance. Um, the the uh the, the latest home pod was one of the things you talked about from from yep. apple um are these products that you're you're experiencing virtually at this point or are you getting your hands on some of these and actually uh using um voice in the home for a lot of things like uh, I, to some extent and in fact i can't even use the a word because there's one of them sitting on the desk here yeah. uh there's a google thing and an amazon i don't have to say the other a word and an Amazon thing sitting on, on the desk here. And I use them all the time, but, you know, sure, I, I have, you know, just in, in my own environment, uh, we have an Echo B upstairs and we have a uh, um, Wi-Fi controlled sprinkler timer and I even have a Wi-Fi in the uh, a charger for my uh, electric vehicle mm. and some of the lights that I have in the office are turned on, uh, on and off, but, I guess to some extent it is a question of age, which again, designer installers need to be conscious of the self-consciousness of this. I, I set some of this stuff up for my mother and she just said, take this crap out. Will you right. please? <laughs> um, uh, but I did give her because I bought myself a new one. I, I gave her an, an echo show and that's really cool. Okay. And she gets that. And one of the features uh, that's coming to the newest um, uh, Echo Show is Zoom. So 
that'll be really cool because then you'll be able to say, uh, Zoom, show my whatever the heck it is that she wants to see without having to interact with the keyboard. So that's where the initial uh, stage of the technology may not work for all people, but the manufacturers way more than years ago uh, are reacting to that. Personally, I just feel too self-conscious about all of that stuff. So I'm yeah. a mid-level user of that, but I have to understand that there are people at both in our reader base that are at both ends of that spectrum. Sure. Absolutely. I I'm with you. You know, like, uh, I, I talked to members of my family on the phone more than I would want to do video. Cause I think it, I'm just used to that type of interaction with them. And when the kids were little and they wanted to see them growing up, that that was different. But, uh, other than something like this and work-related uh, video, Zoom, I, I'd prefer to have a little bit of privacy. Yeah. Uh, I hear you on that. Um, so speaking of, of being in touch and doing all this stuff, obviously the COVID-19 changes that we've all gone through and, and you're not going to these events. What is the experience like virtually versus being in person? What do you feel like you are able to still achieve by attending these things? And what are you missing out on? And where did you get that jacket that I always see when you're out of that? Oh, no, no, I'll answer that one first. That's a state secret. Oh. If I told you, then everybody would have one, you know, and then it would like lose its appeal. No, that uh, you'll, you'll, it's, you'll, no, you, no, you can't. No. Okay. Well, we let, 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 let's, for people that don't know, it's a simty, is it, it's a color bars. It, what, it, it's a, it's a riff on, um, actually not color bars it's a riff on the uh sarnoff uh test pattern the test pattern and it's not a real test pattern but i do have a picture somewhere of my wearing the jacket standing next to joe kane so i should have had him autograph it oh. and say it's joe kane approved <laughs> right right so 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 in person versus virtual what what do you feel like you're not getting to experience by being well it, it's two things it's trade shows and press conferences for press conferences, I love being able to, you know, not have to travel, sit here in shorts and, and a t-shirt, have my desktop so I'm a, able to write notes or if it's oh, all these things now are pre-recorded. So if you miss something, I can call it up and, and play it back and, you know, uh, catch the things I missed. That part of events, I like doing virtually. What I miss for virtual events is not being able to walk up afterwards to somebody from the company and say, hey, come on, just clue me in as to this. Right. And you, you just can't do that, obviously. In terms of trade shows, some are good, some are okay. And then there are some parts of it that I really miss. I don't miss going to Las Vegas with 175,000 of my closest friends. I mean, that that's, you know, kind of clear. I agree. Um, I miss seeing you and shaking hands with, shaking hands, oh, shaking yeah. hands with people, you know? I miss yeah. tchotchkes, you know? There are no more tchotchkes anymore. You know, how am I going to get t-shirts to wear in Zoom calls if there are no events where you can get a tchotchke? So some of the big companies, the Sonys, the the LGs, the Samsungs, the TCLs, they're able to do it, well, because they have the money, the budget, the expertise, and the staff. What Sony did at Cedia Expo was the best 
ever. It yeah. was like being there. Mm -hmm. But here's the problem. If you're a smaller company, a startup, or at CES, if you're down in Eureka Park, which is where I found all sorts of things, or as you walk up and down Eureka Park, you may not recognize the names, but you can see which product categories are getting a lot of traction. So one year, there were a lot of IOT dog feeders. <laughs> I didn't recognize the names of any of the companies, but the fact that there were many companies having it said that that's a trend. Right. That's how I first got exposed to video doorbells was in Eureka Park for the predecessor of, of Ring. And you see one, it's interesting, it's a startup. You see two, you say, somebody saw what guy one did and they said, I can do this too, as long as I don't infringe. But then if you come back and you see a half a dozen of them, then you know it's a trend and it really should be noted. And then it also changes the way I write because you're not writing about the fact that this is, but the fact that there are a dozen of them and that's this is what makes one different from the other. I miss that. I miss being able to stop by a booth by having seen something on a table, talk to the founder quite mm -hmm. often, and getting the lowdown, it's really hard to do that virtually. I'll be very curious. I, I wish him a lot of luck. I wish him all the look in the world to see what our friends at uh, CTA are going to do in January. It's um, it's not going to be easy. And um, you know there are things that you, you you wipe your brow and you say, "Thank goodness I don't have to do that. I can't stand it." And then there are the geez, I really I, I really miss it. I know there, there's a strange Pavlovian feeling about some of this stuff that we do. I often have this strange feeling of, I, I feel like I, I want to get on a plane right now, but like, that's my least favorite part of travel. I don't know why I feel like that. It's just that it usually goes somewhere that turns on into something interesting. We're not getting that right now, but I, I, I hear you on both accounts. I really appreciate your time, Michael. I know you've got to go. I, Thank I, you for I, your we've time. been talking a while. Yeah. Great talking to you today. Hey, read my stuff in Res Tech today. That's right. Great magazine, I've heard. Uh, that's, you know, rumor has it. Rumor has it. Also, thanks to everybody for joining us. Be sure to comment, share, or subscribe to the podcast. And you can check out all the latest, like we said, at Residential Tech News at restechtoday.com. And until next time, please stay safe, stay inspired, and let us know if you've got a great story to tell. Residential Technology, Lighting Specialist, Architect, Smart House, Smart House.